This is Talking Dirty, Get Gardening's podcast for plant lovers. The video version is available on our Get Gardening YouTube channel, so you can head over there if you want to see our ugly mugs, and there are pictures of the plants there as well. There are full plant lists on our Twitter and Instagram at Get Gardening Now, so go check those out. But without further ado, let's start Talking Dirty. Welcome to episode 86 of Talking Dirty over at East Ruston Old Vicarage, looking bedecked in red. Or is that a sort of salmon? I'm not sure. It is our happy and very handsome horticulturalist, Alan Edward Herbert Gray. It reminds me of my mother, you know, when she used to go shopping, she said, used to say to the shopkeeper, I'd like a tin of salmon, please. Would they be red or pink, Mrs. Gray? Oh, red, she used to say. Red was superior. And it is red. Now, over, over in Norwich, we have the beaming, the beautiful, the ever-bubbly Thordis Maria Sophia Fredrickson. Also in red, I got the red memo. You got the red memo. I'm a little bit overexcited today because I've seen a little sneak peek at the show and tell that's on the way with this week's guest, brand ah. new to Talking Dirty, a first ever appearance of Chris Davey of Seagate Nurseries in Lincolnshire. Welcome. We've Thank been you. having a little look around your potting shed before this podcast started. And on the video, it just, I don't know if you agree with me, Alan, but this looks like some sort of Designers Guild wallpaper in this potting shed. <laughs> don't you agree? <laughs> I love it when people elevate a shed to um, above shed status. You know, That's when, it. <laughs> when, you, when you think of a shed, you sort of think of dusty old cobwebs and mess and rubbish everywhere. But look at that. What is that <laughs> wallpaper, Chris? Is it seriously wallpaper? No, no, it's, uh, it's sort of chipboard and it's been painted with a blue paint. And of course it misses bits. So there's, there's the wood effect coming through a very sort of sky blue paint. Well, I like. didn't realise just how much of an influencer you are, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be everywhere by the end of next week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, people will associate the name Seagate with irises. You've changed the name of the nursery because obviously you're ever expanding and burgeoning onwards. But irises are very much the heart of what you do, which is why if you're watching the video, you can see several rather alluring iris blooms over Chris's shoulder. <laughs> but you haven't been at the helm of the nursery really for all that long and I suppose a big chunk of it has been Covid. It has unfortunately yes um, so Kate my wife and I have always had a passion about running a nursery we've always been avid sort of uh, you know going to nurseries every weekend and finding a new plant something unusual and in the back of my mind it was like if we ever we had the opportunity to do this we'd grab it um, and then we came in here in early 2018 um, sort of April well before season um, just to buy one plant and I uh, got talking to the chap who used to own it and he's, and as I walked out, I said, see you later in the season. And he said, no, so I'm trying to sell the place and, you know, we might not be here. And I said, well, you know, re really? And he said, yeah, absolutely. He said, buy the place if you want it. Kind of a, a throwaway comment, really. And uh, after a couple of hours and chatting and what have you, I just jumped in two feet uh, without telling my wife. Uh, she was livid, absolutely livid. How are we going to do it? What are we going to do? How are we, you know, every, every, every single question was going around our minds. And uh, lo and behold, on the 25th of, of May that year, we completed uh, and we took it on uh, in like height of the flowering season. And it's just been the biggest learning curve since then, to be honest with you. <laughs> so it was really a passionate start, but my head is on now, I think I'm getting there. <laughs> I, I, what I love about this is so many people can 
understand that feeling of going to a nursery to buy one, maybe two things and coming away with a trolley full. None of us, I don't think, have come away with the nursery. <laughs> no, no. So my wife sympathises with customers. When you get like a, a couple who come in and, and uh, the husband's saying, darling, I think we've got enough now. My wife always jumps in and goes, well, it can't be any worse than him, you know? <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? Because gardening is so often like bite by bite, you take bigger chunks of the apple, you get more addicted, you discover more plants. And obviously like now, Alan at your garden, you came with a certain amount of experience and you kind of added bits of land and it was a big challenge and there was a lot to undertake, but you could kind of, I suppose, do it bit by bit. I can't quite get my head around the idea of launching into a nursery mid peak flowering season of all the irises and just sort of having to hit the ground running. <laughs> I think, in fact, if you think about it, in a funny sort of way, it's, it's, it, that would be an absolutely ideal time because, you know, as Chris said, the, the irises were all flowering, it's peak season and all the rest of it. They are going to sell themselves virtually because, you know, you don't need to, to worry too much about, about that aspect of it, I don't suppose. Um, and, you know, all right, so it's a, it's a learning curve. But when you've got the kind of passion that Chris has, which he obviously has a passion for plants, I mean, that's the key to the whole thing, I think. And the same with me, I have a passion for plants and I... You know, oh, I'm spitting now. Pa, 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 everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> we should have called this podcast a passion for plants and then fewer people would have ended up listening to something they really didn't mean to when they searched for <laughs> Talking Dirty. Um, <laughs> um, Chris, so what was that first season like then, getting to know all of these amazing irises? Yeah, so um, it, naturally it, it was, you know, the point of closing it, so it was sort of a point where I need a lot of work doing to it and sort of renovating it. Um, so really, it was like getting the lawnmower out, finding the paths, weeding some of the beds. Um, we soon discovered that the labelling was a little bit hit and miss, so some varieties were sort of going around avidly identifying different plants. And there was about 450, 500 varieties approximately in the beds at the time. Um, since then, uh, we've increased by over a thousand varieties in bearded irises alone now. Uh, and we, we have loads of different sabiricas and daylilies and all sorts of other stuff growing in the beds, like the firm collection is now making its way, pushing irises out of the way in the shady spots. Um, so it, it, it's really um, fi finding what I had, if you like, for that first year, and then working out what I was going to do with it. <laughs> and I suppose having irises at the heart of your collection, they, they just, I suppose some people, they, they have a short season. And so some people might, you know, if you've got a small garden, maybe only have one or two. And I'll speak for myself there because I only have a couple. But I think... They just, the allure of the iris, I don't know if there's anybody in the world who could honestly say hand on heart, they don't like them. They, they just, when they're in bloom, they are so beautiful and such a vast array. That's it. And, and, they're, and they're quite early too, aren't they, compared with lots of other plants. So they do, they have a, I always think they're a bit like myself, really. they're quiet most of the time, but when they, when they start talking, you can't shut them up. You know, <laughs> they're just out there, you know, look at me, very, very showy, even the smallest of ones are eye-catching. I think that makes them really quite unique for certainly this climate, you know, early season. So, um, yeah, we get a lot of people who come in who just would never have thought of having iris. And then they walk out with one. <laughs> they can't help it. <laughs> but I mean, if you take the whole bearded iris community from the babies to the, the um, you know, through the intermediates and then to the big tall ones, I mean, you have quite a long season in actual fact because the, the small ones start flowering very, very early. And I know somebody called Brian Ellis who's got a lovely collection of miniature um, bearded iris, which are ideal for people with only a small garden. And or if you've got a raised bed and sunshine, I mean, they are wonderful little plants for that. Um, so you've got, I suppose you must almost have a three-month-long season of flower. Yeah. And, but, it right. just, but it doesn't just end there, because there's two other things that I think. 
um, need mentioning. One is that some bearded iris are what they call rumantant, which means that they flower twice. I remember going to Ipswich many years ago, and I don't know Ipswich at all, and what happens? I get lost. <laughs> Pretty sad nowadays, you know, and I remember going along this road, rounding a corner, and there was an island bed in the middle of the junction. That, and there in, on October the 5th was a lovely bearded iris, a sort of tawny-coloured bearded iris. And I looked at this and I thought, this is surreal. I mean, this is November. Um, what, what's happening? Or October, whenever, you know, autumn. And I sort of suddenly started to feel very strange, almost as if I, my, I was having an out-of-body experience, you know. <laughs> And the other thing, if I think about bearded iris, is I saw a lovely picture the other day, a lovely picture of Sarah Cook's um, iris beds, and they were a sea of red. It was tulip sprengeri, <gasps> and it just grows in amongst her irises. And now we know that bearded iris, you'll tell us, Chris, bearded iris, they like to have their rhizomes in full sun and be baked. That's so right. Yep. So it's tulip sprangeri, and it's silk self- <laughs> seeds all through her iris beds, and it looked absolutely stunning. Oh. There's an idea for you. <laughs> That's it. Companion planting is always the uh, one of the sticking points for many people because uh, even like in the in the large displays of the large shows, they were always almost always grown by themselves when, when displaying them. So yep. the, the biggest places people see them are always they get in their heads that they need to be in a dedicated bed. Yeah. But actually, if you're quite clever with the planting, like you say, you can include them almost anywhere in, in a planting plan. Um, or, you know, that's, 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 that's to say for those that plan their garden. I'm not like that. I tend to just plonk stuff in. Um, <laughs> but they're, they're quite architectural leaves. I mean, we've, we've got, and I was, I've got one just here. These large leaves, if they're breaking up a border of, you know, behind a geranium in front of maybe something like Helianthus that's quite tall, um, they, they provide sort of an all-year interest as well. So quite often, if someone's a bit unsure, I say to them, well, if you think more about the leaf than the flower, the flower's a bonus then. Um, and and they, they do a job all the time then too. Yeah, that's a great thing, point. Because plant them at the front of the boulder where they're going to get the most sun. Because you know, as soon as the flowers are over, the flower stems go down and you've just got these lovely fans of foliage. Um, you know, what's not to like? Exactly. <laughs> Man after my own heart. <laughs> and they're, they're pretty good in this kind of time where a lot of people are thinking about drought planting and, and plants that are going to be kind of good for the environment. Uh, they're, they're, a, they're a good pick because obviously they like that sort of dry, baked position. That's right. I think that as a, as a plant group, um, it's got a lot of potential in the coming years. And I, I really enjoy it for that because I think it means that we can keep moving. Um, I, I don't like stopping. I like to sort of always be on the move. And, and one way I sort of promote iris is there's, well, there's two, really. Firstly, the, the drought side and the ever-changing climate. They need very little, or actually, we, in the beds, no water at all. Um, and, of course, they can be planted almost anywhere, providing they get that sunshine. But that's not their biggest selling point for me. Their biggest selling point is that we can send them out anywhere in the country bare root. I mean, they, they require no compost, so they're immediately peat-free and no plastic. So they're absolutely, I would dare I say, on trend. You know, they're, they're, they're a plant you can send out the most environmentally friendly way, but they can also cope with that environment when they get there. So I think they're, I think they're, they're an underused plant, certainly. I think they are too. I agree with that. And I think also when you actually see the range of some of the newer colours, if you like, I mean, there's, there are some, there, there are one or two faults with the, I feel personally, with what the breeders are doing. Because I think sometimes if you take an iris stem flower, it has one, two, three, maybe four buds on each stem. Um, the lower one opens first, then the next one. Sometimes the breeders, when they are seeking a new, new plant, 
they launch a variety and those buds are too close together. So you don't actually see the individual beauty of the flower because it becomes a muddled mass. They're all too close and lumpy and bumpy. And sometimes I feel rather too frilly as well, because, I mean, a typical iris resembles a fleur-de-lis. Um, and, you know, it should have that crown and the petals coming down. Um, sometimes you, that breeders slightly miss that, I think. But, I mean, I'd just like to ask you, Chris, I'm going to put you on the spot now. <laughs> Give me three of your favourite bearded iris. Well. Three? <laughs> three. My, my answer to that in that when I'm here with the customers is always the same. That's that everyone has got its own, you know, uh, attributes. But you can't beat them en masse. But for me, and, and my wife too, my wife's favourite is this variety here. Oh. So this always gets, excuse me, this always gets a, a lot of attention. So this is called syncopation. Oh. Um, I don't know if you can see, it's got this sort of antique gold standards. Yeah. And these, uh, it's a kaleidoscope. It's a sort of pearlescent, different, every different shade in the falls. It's very, it's very, very interesting. It's a good doer too. One of the most important things before flower for me is that it's a good garden plant, and this this just does that. It's it's very sought out. It's one of those plants you have to really see to to sort of appreciate. <laughs> so I'll be selfish and keep it. <laughs> um, That's a stunning one. But my first ever iris I ever bought because I have a, a passion for yellow, um, which is great. Is Pirates Quest. You do do you do realise you just said something extremely unfashionable, don't you? <laughs> Oh That's yeah, not no. on trend for me, my wallpaper. No, 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 fallow, because I said there's two ladies in the garden the other day. Um, and we've got a border here that's laying fallow at the moment. They said, what are you going to do with it? I said, I'm going to make a yellow border. Oh, well, we'll avoid that area then. I said, why? She said, yellow. And yellow is very unfashionable. People don't like it. And I'm, I like, I like you. I mean, I would love that, Iris. I think that is a stunning. Look at the colour of that. I mean, it's not just a plain flat yellow either, is it? No, no, it's not. It's got an interesting white seam down the middle as well. So actually... And look um, at the different shades of yellow in that flower. Exactly. I mean, like you say, though, yellow seems to be... People get put off by it. Mm. Um, but actually, I find the more gold yellows better than the more sort of lemony yellows. Um, so they pop out the border, but actually when you get close to them, they sort of dull down to that gold colour. Um, so they're not sort of stand out, because they can be a bit kind of loud in a border, can't they? Um, but I like the idea of a yellow border, though, so that you've got it all together. <laughs> I think it depends It depends how you put plants together, doesn't it? You mentioned yeah. earlier on in our little chat here about, you know, the, using the, the right plants with iris um, as companion planting. And, I mean, I think the same goes for using a colour or something in a border. My border used to be a red and purple border. Well, it won't be red and purple anymore because it's now going to be yellow. You just made my mind up, Chris. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and good. I think you're ahead of the curve. I think you, you're continuing yeah. with your trend-setting, influencing ways, Chris, because all the best... <laughs> people all the rosy hardies etc are on the the yellow go flying the flag for for yellow so yeah it's, it's the right it's the right way to be <laughs> uh, absolutely now you, you've got to, you've you've got to experiment too i mean i get a lot of people who suggest you know or oh, have you ever thought about putting you know all of this color together or this color together or even the different heights and stuff and actually um i have hundreds of varieties out of the ground during like from maori all the way through to october and so when I replant them, I've got a great array of different colours and, and style of plants and what have you. I mix it up. And it's quite interesting because when you get two years down the line, they're really floriferous. You look at them and think, well, I wouldn't have put them together, but actually they work. And so you end up with this kind of a colour palette, if you like, with a few things already sorted out for you. So, you yeah, know, always try something once. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
Well, you've started strong so, with a couple of really wonderful ones. So that yellow one was your was your first. Yeah. So well, Pilot's Quest was my first. The, the yellow one here. Um, but actually, if I was to pick a phone at the moment, what's really caught my eye this year, not just the Sibiricas, but these smaller miniature tall bearded irises. So they are dainty. If you compare that with their tall bearded iris, the size difference is tremendous. You, know, you, can, you can lose them. Um, but what they do is they bulk up really quickly and they're quite short varieties. So they grow to around about two foot tall as a rule. They all, all vary slightly. Um, but like Alan was saying about the, the buds coming out, most of them are well sort of branched. So as each flower comes out, there's another one beside it ready to come out. And they, as a rule, they all seem quite tidy plants. Um, so the miniature tall bearded are tall bearded that are completely scaled down. And the foliage represents that too, so it's very, very narrow and quite sort of all compact. It's quite nice, really. It's li literally like it's been scaled down. Um, but they're just, I don't know, there's something about them this year. It's really drawn my eyes. So I, I think I might be adding a few more of these to the collection at some point. <laughs> yeah, and Alan's right, you know, to add those to a, you know, front of the border, I can imagine some of those towards the front of my sunny front garden and they would fit in really, really well. That's right. And they're flowering at a time uh, alongside the tall bearded. So if you want to carry a theme of viruses through the beds, um, these at the front and some of the tall ones, are, you know, further back where they're still getting the sunshine, of course, um, you can then sort of run a theme through a, through a bed or bed to bed through your garden then. So, yeah. So which have you got there? So this one's Putty Monet. It's sort of a, a bricata, so it's very, very sort of dainty. I sort of, if you can see that. that <laughs> I'm trying to get to grips with the camera. Um, and then this one's called Maslon. Um, I'm never very good at pronouncing names. I'm sure it should be pronounced with a French flair. Um, but it's a more bolder sort of striking variety. So it's uh, sort of two contrasting ones, really, both of which catch the eye. It's interesting, the subtle ones I find are better in a, in a bigger clump. So as a single stem, it would, it would probably get lost, as this maybe not so much. But once they get into a big clump, you find this almost becomes more eye-catching than the, the bolder colours. So it's, it's ever-changing for me. Favourite iris is, is, is contentious. If you ask me tomorrow, it would be a completely different selection. <laughs> I, understand, I understand that completely. I mean, that, that little mauve one you're handing, uh, you just had in your hand there. Yeah, that reminds yeah. me of Mrs. Alan Gray from Chelsea Flower Show Thunder. It does. <laughs> So I'll just yeah. tell the tale if you like, but I mean, somebody came running up to me and said, I've just seen your wife come this way and to drag me off to the um, Suffolk Plant Heritage Stand. And there was a, a bearded iris on that stand called Mrs. Alan Gray, spelled A-L-A-N-G-R-A-Y. How odd is that? Isn't that a, a part of the uh, foster irises from Lucy's skeleton? Yes, it yeah. Yeah, it That's was. That's it. Yeah, yeah it's I'm a marvellous little thing, isn't it? Yeah, I'm going to grow that one. Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. nice to be able to keep some of those older varieties too. Yeah. Well, it so, is because you don't you don't know what they've got in their gene pool that might be useful in the future. But that's right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I must do my plug of the week and say that in the video version we will link to the uh, the Chelsea special we recorded where Alan talked a bit more about Mrs. Alan Gray. We'll obviously put the picture in this podcast as well, so you can lay eyes on it. I mean, obviously, the thing with the irises is there's been there's been so much breeding for such a long time, Chris. That's right. Well, there's tens of thousands of different hybrids. Um, at this time of year, my emails, in fact, I think I'll just have one come through two seconds ago. <laughs> uh, it, it'll no doubt be somebody sending me a photograph, asking me to identify it, which is, to be honest with you, almost impossible from a photograph. Um, but what's happened, of course, is that there's also lots of seedlings that aren't registered. So it's a huge, huge, diverse range of different plants. Um, but I think that keeps the interest, too, because, like myself, I went to a plant for this weekend and I've come back with two new varieties. Um, so, it's, it's, you know, you, you can't help yourself. Really. You spot something and it just looks 
slightly different to something you've already got. Chris, um, are we surprised? <laughs> I, I <am>. no. <laughs> what is the what is the name of the old dark purple, very early flowering bearded iris? Is that Iris Germanica? That is, yes, the species iris. So for yep. us, that flowers weeks and weeks ahead of the rest of the tall beard hybrids. And I was just going to say, I, I mean, I saw that out in a garden in Norfolk this year in February, which is amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's not yeah. normally as early as that, but it's, it's sort of end of March, beginning of April normal, normally. But it's always the first one to flower, I think. Hasn't it been a peculiar season, though? Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> we, we, we talk about irises, but we're about two, two weeks or more ahead here. Um, exactly. The last, or not the last year, than when we'd expect them to be. And last year was two weeks later. Yeah. Um, so we're nearly four or five weeks different to last year. <laughs> um, you know, it's tremendous. I mean, I can't fault it. It's lovely to see them flower any time, but... Um, we've definitely had some unusual plants that were weird and wonderful times of year this year. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <clears throat> so behind your shoulder, there are many, many more wonderful blooms beckoning us. <laughs> what would you like to show us next? Well, I, I cut a vase for last night. Um, I always think that an ever popular variety, Braithwaite, you can't go wrong with. Um, people say that it, maybe it's a bit common, you see it all over the place, but there's a reason for that. And that's because it's a good grower. Um, it's it's it, this one's not a great example. It's normally better branch, like we were just discussing, um, and you get a lot of flower power. So when it's a big clump, it's vigorous and very floriferous too. So you get an awful lot of flowers out of a clump of it, and it's just it's just a standout, good old-fashioned variety. Um, and people fall in love with the two-tone, I think, um, and it's it's simple. You get it's still still sort of showy enough. Um, so that's always always a good go-to plant. Um, we've got. I mean, they're all. All these bit tall bearded grow at much the same sort of height. They're anywhere between three and four foot. Um, you see quite often irises tall bearded listed at 36 inches, and that's that's kind of a happy average, if you like. Whereas the smaller varieties, obviously, they're down at like two foot. So this time of year, everything is up uh, for some people, eye level almost. Um, so they're, they're, all, they're all very much the same. They all like the same conditions too. So it's, it's quite a subjective plant because you can buy it almost on your colour palette or where you're going to plant it, which is great. <clears throat> And then also, well, I suppose, if you're lucky and you know people who have a good established clump of a good doer, I mean, the irises in my garden, I only have a couple of varieties and one of them, I have no idea what it is because it was just a, a non-gardening sort of friend of a friend who was looking to get rid of some. And I said, I'll have some. I'm starting a new garden. I need to fill a gap. And um, and so uh, no idea, but so vigorous and happy. Um, and so, you, you know, you might be able to gift some eventually if you have a happy clump. Well, Absolutely. Is that irises really do need dividing if they if you're going to divide them after they've flowered, which is in June, July, um, and which is a good time. You just dig them up, and, and Chris was saying that's a good time to send them out to bare root, no plastic, no wrapping, nothing. Um, well, you can put them in wax paper or something to keep them hydrated, I suppose. Um, but you know, it's it's a good time to divide and replant, and it's not in the in the busy season, if you like. It's a busy season for Chris because he's an Irishman. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not it's not busy as far as gardeners go uh, in a way so yeah. you can do your irises when you're when you've got time to do them and, and make sure that you're doing them properly that's right i mean that, that's another thing why what we do here works quite well because obviously the irises are probably 50 percent of what we do yeah um, but, but this this is most of the workforce <laughs> and then my wife and children um so for us, it, it works really well because in the spring, we're propagating like chrysanthemums and asters in the early part of the spring. And then as the temperatures rise, we move on to salvias and everything. We propagate as much of stuff as we can. Um, we'll probably almost be 100% next year. Um, and then, of course, as we go through the season, 
Now it's about, you know, uh, getting the plants out there and selling them and potting on and what have you. But then when everything drops off, um, and I'm, I'm kind of on that, you know, quiet time that a lot of nurseries experience over midsummer, it gives me the opportunity then, like you say, to sort of, they fit yeah. in nicely for me. So nothing, nothing goes missed then. Um, no. So as a workload, it means we can sort of manage it small then. Um, every order, you see, every plant we do, we, we you know, they're hand dug. Um, it does take time, um, but they're worth it. You know, they're, 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 they're such vigorous plants. A lot of people think when you start off with a, with a single rhizome, it's going to take years to bulk up. And actually, you, people come back after even a year sometimes and say, goodness, you know, I put it in full sun, like you said, uh, and it's just going mad. You know, I've had to give my name or something. You go, well, that's exactly, you know, I told you it would. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they don't see them making up. You, you can't watch them grow. They're one of them plants where you turn your back and all of a sudden there's a clump there. Um, <laughs> I like a plant like that. They're my favourites. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we, we, we've really been through quite a, a good spectrum already from bright, punchy yellows to two-tone affairs to something that's sort of paler and more subtle. What's next? Well, there's, there are bearded irises called space agers, um, and that's, they're, they're bearded irises, so they still have the beard through the centre of the falls, um, but they have, a, a, in this case, a horn, so a little flick on the end, of, as you can see, really, there's a, yeah. a little flick there on the end of the beards. Stand against my fancy wallpaper, you might be able to see it then. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, so it's, it's like, interesting again. Um, it's another type. This is Thornbird. So this is a very popular, it's quite an old variety, or reasonably old variety. Again, it's just, just another nice one. It's a bit more subdued, really. Um, it, they're so subjective. Everyone likes, some people like bold colours, some people like sort of broken colours or very showy or, or sort of more tailored form, like the Braithwaite has got a more rounded form. Um, so you tend, tend to find that the older varieties are sort of more gentle and curved as the, as the newer they get, become more free, like Alan said. Um, some of them are a little bit over the top, almost, almost don't resemble an iris. So kind of wary of that when we try our new varieties to see how they look. You know, to make sure they still look like a proper iris. But then, on the other hand, Chris, one man's meat is another man's poison. So, what one person likes, the other one's not going to. So, you know, that, that's it. I mean, uh, interestingly enough, some of the plants we introduced in the first couple of years, um, I got my wife to introduce, and also I asked my mum um, to look and, and tell me which ones were her favourite. Because, you know, you need other people to, especially obviously, it's a bit of business, and, and we, we want to cover as many bases as possible. Yeah. And sometimes you put a plant out and you think, well, that's, that's my, my taste. No one else is going to like it. And there's a few we've just uh, recently bought over from America. Um, and they're super plants, but they are very modern. And for a start, we thought, oh, no one's, you know, no one's going to like these. And then, you know, you get a week where everyone's talking about a particular variety. And you think, oh, OK, so it's not, it's not just me then, you know, it's because it's so subjective. I'd have thought in a world of Dahlia Café Olay, adulation and obsession that kind of a a more creamy sort of subtle toned cafe au lait colored iris would have been very popular that's very true i mean the, the nice thing about those softer colors of course is that they um they almost go with anything to a point um now go away from that <laughs> one of the problems one of the things i didn't appreciate when we took the nursery over and i'm, I'm trying to uh, cater for it is people's obsession with black flowers and, and you can see if you put it against my hoodie, it kind of disappears, I think. Um, so this is one of the darkest uh, flowers we have on the nursery. It's actually English bred. So it's bred by a chap called Gary Middleton, who, um, who we work quite closely with. We have quite a few varieties on the nursery of his. And this is called Shadow of the Almighty. And it was a chance seedling. Its other brothers are, are black as well. 
Um, but this is just, it's quite nice. It's, quite, it's got the old fashioned sort of round, I don't know how easy it's going to be to see. It's got the old fashioned sort of almost rounded, tailored form to it. Um, but it's just very, very, very dark. Um, there's a very slight purple glow to it on, on the standards, but the black, you've got a job to get any purple out of them at all. And these, these seem to be really sought after. Now, they're not really to my taste, <laughs> I must admit. Black flowers haven't really um, sort of sat with me yet, um, but people really love them. And I think they're great if you've got a backdrop, particularly something like a red brick wall, uh, something like this really stands out. Um, so it's always, always interesting, especially when you can, you know, you can contrast and you, you start putting flowers together, like bold colours together, and they really do start bouncing off each other. Now um, you've made so me want to make my border a black and white border. <laughs> black and yellow. It'll be the bumblebee border. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that black is so lustrous and velvety it's, looking. It is. And it is, and, it, and you want to touch it. You really do. And, you know, like I say, I, I appreciate every flower, um, but it's just not something I've ever really considered. But they have, I mean, if anyone's ever actually got hold of an art, they are truly sort of velvety feel. It's hard to believe that the flower only lasts a few days, really, when it's robust enough and, and sort of, you know, <laughs> tactile, if you like. They really are uh, totally strokeable. Oh, they are. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but I always find it interesting. Like I say, everyone finds a place for an iris different. Um, and we get a lot of uh, like NGS gardeners that come in and they've got colour-coded borders and they start walking around and, uh, you know, like, like Alan here, they start talking about colour border and all of a sudden it's, well, we could just fit this in, you know, we, maybe a yellow and black border, yeah. Rules <laughs> are made to be broken, Chris, eh? Alan, I'm interested to know where Alan would put that particular iris. Well, I was actually just thinking what I would do with an iris like that, and I think... Um, I think what I would do, I'd, I'd have to have silver foliage around it to try and lift it a little bit. And also lime green foliage would look very nice with that. Um, and yeah. also another plant I've just written down that I thought, would, which is as cheap as chips to buy. I mean, we talked about Sarah's iris beds being um, threaded through with um, tulipa sprengeri. But uh, allium, a little allium with dark purple, tiny little globes, really. But I mean, it's very easy. It's spherocephalum. Mm. And that is as cheap as chips. And you could, if you have an iris border or a, a front of a border with bearded iris, you know, it's nice to think of putting plants like that through the rhizomes. And another little chap that appears to me is a South African bulb called Sparaxis. Mm. Um, it, it, it's very, very bright colours. And if, the, if your soil is fairly light and you're in a fairly sheltered garden, that should be hardy for you. Um, but, you know, again, it's, it's, a, it's a plant that's uh, relatively inexpensive. And I'm just thinking of something, some plants that you could pepper through some of those lovely rhizomes without causing too much shade. I know a friend that's of mine down, down in Somerset, she had an, a designated iris border, as lots of gardens in grand country houses did. And she used to thread her, through, her border, iris border through with um, love and a mist, um, which... Oh, which he'd sow every year. And I couldn't work out what, how Love and a Mist didn't shade the rhizomes, but it didn't seem to do any harm. Yeah, there must be, um, I, I mean, you can imagine, because I've got these sort of large beds, of about 20-something of them, so everything you're trying to keep as clean and tight as you can. But I do quite often you know, wonder if I should be experimenting with companion plants. It really, uh, like a trial, if you like, to see what does yeah. work, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah it's in, you know, there's some lovely combinations you see out and about. I just planted one of my favourites as a, as a, as a, as a, a low-growing bearded iris. It's called Langport Storm. I don't know whether you know that. Well, you do. You're, you're <laughs> <laughs> um, That's a super variety. 
It is. It's kind of lurid colouring, though, isn't it? Because it's a, a dirty mauve with brown on it. <laughs> that's it. Yes. I mean, there's a lot to be... I mean, that's that's uh, one of the more sort of com- common uh, lane ports, if you like. We've got a few lane ports here on the nursery. Um, but th- I keep saying to people, there's something to be said for, for things like Jane Phillips. Um, yeah. Some of the some of these uh, varieties, a lot, a lot of people come in, they poo-poo the varieties you can get from garden centres, if you like. Yeah, why is Jane um, Phillips so popular, Chris? Because she does so well. Exactly. And, yeah. it's, a, and it's, it's a beautiful blue flower. And you probably notice it on your nursery as much as any, anything, that blue flowers seem to sell just like that. Yeah, exactly. And then it's fragrant. And then one, one of the things we find, particularly with Jane Phillips, is that if you don't lift it every three or four years, so if for whatever reason, you know, you, it gets missed a couple of years, it seems to keep carrying its flowers a bit further. Um, yeah. So it'll go through, you know, it, it could be lifted four, five, five, six yearly, um, and it still, it still holds flowers well. Mm. Um, so I mean, it's a good, you know, it's a good doer. There's, there's a reason why some of the older plants, although I love the specialities, um, there's a reason why some of these plants are so popular. Um, and that, that shouldn't go unmissed, really, because um, mm. if someone comes in and they're looking for a plant to start with, quite often we'll point them in the direction of something like Jane Phillips and say, you know, what, you know once, once you've learned to work with a plant like this, it's such a forgiving plant and it'll, it'll give you so much back. Um, then, then, you know, the world joys to them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I remember years ago buying an iris and it was, it was, it's a very white with just a little bit of blue on it. It's called the English Cottage. Do you know that one? That's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we, we grow up here. Does that flower twice for you? Because it flowers twice for me. Yes, occasionally. It's, it's, it's only recently been divided. I mean, I, my biggest trouble is most of everything, or everything I grow almost, is, is only about four years old. Yeah, yeah <laughs> um, so, so a lot of the stuff, yeah, is, is yet to be established. Um, but you, you spoke on about the Vermont and irises, uh, English yeah. cottage being, being one of those. Um, but there's, there's some varieties we find, there's three or four that, reliable re-blooms that are definitely you know you can almost count on them again in october and november time yeah um, but there are many many viruses that just occasionally just throw a flower um and it, it's quite interesting i think planting them is you know i don't know i don't i've never quite worked out how you plant iris against autumn flowering plants um whether they have their place in autumn if you were to go with them for that season i'm not sure it's a difficult one chris because most autumn flowering plants, you're getting towards the end of the gardening year, I suppose, or when the, I mean, there is no end to it, I know, but you know, the end of the floriferous season, shall we say, and most plants are then at their, at their biggest and their best and their blousiest. Now, how do you fit irises into that? That is where they have to be at the front of a border, I think, or a designated border for just irises and a few other small growing things amongst them. Um, but it is a difficult one. I know what you mean, but I think there's nothing more surprising. Yes. Uh, I'll go back to that. October day in Ipswich when I got lost and <laughs> coming across a clump of bearded iris looking splendid in October. I mean, it was just amazing. So I don't think um, I don't think we need to worry too much about it because I think people would incorporate that into their gardens. Um, but you know, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking when you were talking about remington irises, I just thought, well, people must not expect after dividing irises for them to flower in their first autumn because they won't because they've got to do their growing and their settling in first. And they might not flower in their, until their second or even third year, twice yearly. So it is something you've got to consider. Um, and maybe you might not want to divide your remington irises every three years, because it, it would stop them being remittant. Mm-hmm. That's right. the trouble, isn't it? But, but then, I mean, you, you know, uh, with that in mind, you could, you could plant accordingly too. Um, and also, if you're if you're planting with Vermont and irises in mind for for that later sort of autumn season, yeah, um, why not go out with a bang and, and plant maybe three or four clumps? So when they do flower, 
they, they do make a statement rather than just going sort of miss in the corner. Yeah. Um, so yeah. large drifts, or not, maybe not drifts so much, but uh, decent sized clumps, like you say, so lifted and divided, maybe less regularly. So when they do flower, they make it worth it. I think that's a brilliant idea. And I think another, I just thought another <laughs> ideal, uh, <laughs> ideal pairing, because they're a similar season, is iris and peonies. Um, I mean, yeah. you know, if you if you plan a peony border um, and peonies have a limited time, uh, you know, and you've got irises on the sunny side of the peony border, what better combination could you wish for, really? That's right. I am dying <laughs> to put you on the spot and ask you what those three or four reliably remontant varieties are. <laughs> I, I had a feeling when I said that. <laughs> um, probably the most reliable is a variety called Dawn of Thought. I don't have it, I'm afraid. It's, um, it's gone over the bed. So I consciously thought of trying to grab some. Um, so Dawn of Thought, it's a good, reliable plant. It's not the most showy, um, but it is, it, because it's reliable, it's worth it because it, you know, it, it does definitely give you that second season. Yeah. And we have a full line of it here. And last year, the full line flowered again um, later in the season. So that was great. I mean, it, what colour you know, is it's, that? It's, uh, um, it's difficult to describe. It's, it's quite subdued, sort of soft, uh, sort of yellowy apricot, if you like. It's a bit, like I say, it's kind of, I don't know. It, it's more of more of a more of a sort of this sort of colour, if you like. I'm not sure how you describe it really. Very very soft yellows. Cafe au <laughs> Yes, cafe au <laughs> But I mean, we've got another variety called Bethany Claire, and that's a very large uh, sort of blue flower. Um, it, we find it's probably slightly darker in the in the autumn flowering than in the spring flowering, and I think that's probably because it bleaches in the in the spring sunshine, whereas in the autumn it, it kind of holds itself better. You know, it doesn't get quite so much sun in most years anyway. Um, so Bethany Claire is definitely another one, um, and for a third, well, there's a, it's not always so reliable, but one called Autumn Trist, and that's uh, that's another one. It's a it's a bit it's a bit more showy, um, but it's a little bit less reliable. Um, but that, that has a slight, it's like a mauve, um, very, very detailed sort of flower. So that's another one that's quite interesting. If you planted three together, uh, I would suspect in most years after that sort of second or third year of being established, they would come together and you could sort of interlink those in a border. Uh, we're, we're trying quite a few, so I'm always a bit careful which ones to sort of <laughs> shout because someone then grows the plant and says, oh, it didn't, didn't rebloom for me. And they don't every year. So some varieties we find um, are really reliable. Uh, and those are the ones, really, those three I mentioned, uh, it's a good starting place for those. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you, you can you can have, you can plant all of these varieties and get just a little bit here and there if you, if you left them to it. Exciting. I've just thought of another combination. Bearded <laughs> iris is planted with nerines. They both love the same kind of baking conditions and nerines flower from probably from about September onwards. Um, and there's some interesting new varieties that have been crossed with um, amaryllis, I think, and you, so you're getting something like amarine. Um, they were grown originally for the for the cut flower market in Holland, and they they are now becoming available as garden plants. And as our autumns are increasingly more benign, what better thing could you do? You get your remontant irises, and you've got um, nerines coming through them in every shade, from white through to very very deep pinky purple. Lovely. Oh, oh! I Don't wish I had me. more room. <laughs> <laughs> story of my life <laughs> <laughs> are there any irises behind you that we haven't yet been introduced to chris well there's, yeah there's a there's a few um <laughs> i mean my, my wife kate uh points out that we seem to have spent a lot of time lingering around the siberia for bed this year um now i know that that sort of seagate's put on the map over the years for its bearded irises 
but we, we're trialling, uh, well, about 140 viruses, severe viruses at the moment. Um, and they're just, they're known as the beardless viruses for, for I'll say obvious reasons, I'll try and show. There's not the beard running down the, the falls in the, in the flower, you see. Um, so they, these are really versatile plants. You often see them in large planting plants, particularly at the large shows, um, because you can put them in full sunshine or, or part shade, and they'll cope with pretty much any sort of ground conditions too. So they can be planted in, I wouldn't say boggy conditions, but somewhere that's quite damp or in somewhere that's really, really uh, well drained. And you just, sometimes the vigor will be notably shorter if it's particularly dry. Um, we, we, we divide ours here and we don't water anything in the beds, uh, mainly because if I start with that, it's a, it's, that's a huge another job. So the suburbicas here get divided and stuffed in the ground again and they get on with it. So they're very, very tough plants, but they've got grass-like foliage. In fact, I brought a pot because I thought I'd um, show the difference, really. Um, so they're very, very clean foliage. They don't suffer from any, any problems, really. Um, so they keep green all, all year round, and then they'll, well, I'll say all year round, they'll go down to nothing over winter, and then you just take the dead leaves off in the early spring as you start to see some growth coming through, and you get this wonderful long grass-like foliage, and then the tall stem, um, too. Now, this would be a lot bigger in the ground. You'd expect the foliage to be probably about two foot height, and then another same sort of height, another foot, 18 inches above with the flowers. So they're, they're great versatile plants. And my wife's talking me into to dividing all of ours and, and trying to push them a bit more next year. And it comes in different colours. I mean, we've got one here called White Swell. Um, so if you're looking for something against it, if you've got part shade, using something that's lighter that might pop out might be better. Um, so something like White Swell is quite good. Or we've got Sparkling Rose. A lovely, lovely sort of dark amethyst. Oh, yeah, so, lovely yellow. Oh, yeah, so look at them together. Again, you see that it's the same thing. You see, they're quite subjective, and there's so many different colours you can get with irises. That, um, and it's, like I say, it's not something I really noticed for this year. But actually, if I offered a range of, of different ones, you could use these in almost any position, really, and still keep with the colour scheme. Um, so yeah, so that's that's probably uh, the most. That's why I've taught myself into the most hard work this year, is dividing them. <laughs> <laughs> and which was the bluer that you're holding? This one here, um, this one, what was this? Caesar's brother. They're such good doers. Like I say, you do see them everywhere, but they're, they're garden-worthy plants, you know, and they're, they're so robust as well. One thing occurs to me, Chris, and, and that would be for people, if, if they feel like, uh, so minded, to actually pay you a visit and see these plants when they're in flower. Because the, the, the diversity between one plant and another is so great that, you know, um, they ought to, people ought to be able to see them in flower before they choose them, I think. Mm. Uh, absolutely. Um, what we, 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 we do sell, well, we offer the most variety, if you like, by mail order. So people always say, well, that's okay. I've looked on the website, the pictures. And whilst we do our best to make the, the pictures as close to the real as possible, um, you can't be getting up close to the plant. Also uh, smelling it. Because one of the, um, one of the notably... Um, sort of unheard of things about us, if you like, is a fragrance. Yeah. And I'm absolutely hopeless at noting fragrance. My wife says I'm awful at it. I started trying to say, you know, the sweet smells, and she's like, that's not sweet. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I gave up. I gave up very, very quickly and left that. So what I always say to people, if they come to the nursery and, and the pockets of scent you get from different varieties as well, um, it, you, you can't translate that to a photograph or, or, or even describe it. Um, so it's def definitely worth seeing them in person.
Oh, oh, now I'm really sad that my irises are way too far back. Mind you, um, my irises are right in front of, it's like the electricity box or something. So I get sent in. I won't trust the other half in the front garden to read the meter. So I sort of tiptoe through to get to the meter. Next time, I'll have to make sure I time it with the irises and have a good sniff. (laughs) Um, Do you have any more of those lovely miniature bearded ones that we didn't meet before? Because there's a very enticing jar of them behind you or vase of them. Yeah, no, I think... Well, we've got this other variety here. You can't, this one's going over a little bit. This one's, uh, uh, I've been after it for a while, actually, and managed to get hold of some last year. It's called Bangles. Um, and I partly brought it for the name because I just, I, for some reason, Bangles just sat with me. I'm, I'm still a child at heart. Because <laughs> and I, and I, I, I've, I've brought a lot of viruses for that. I've got some out there. Well, I've got one called Steve. I just thought it was fun, so I thought I'd have that. It's actually not that spectacular flower, but I thought for its namesake, um, but now this is a miniature tall, uh, tall bearded, and again, it's a little bit different to like. There we go. It's a little bit different to uh, sort of putty Monet or or Maslon. Um, so it's a it's a sort of in between, if you like. So it's a bit bolder. Um, so it sort of carries itself in a bed nicely. Um, but again, it's quite a small plant, so it's only about 18, 20 inches, something like that for us. Um, and so it's good for front of board, but it's delicate enough that if it's at the front of the board, you can see through it. Uh, which is which is nice. I think sometimes, uh, you know, the miniature beards because they've got such short, fine foliage as well. Um, they they kind of they they're, they're delicate, but they're still doing enough shouty, if you know what I mean. <laughs> so yeah, it's definitely a group of four. I don't know what that was like in real life, but it's it on the the video. The blue almost looks sort of iridescent, like a violety luminescent thing. It is, yeah. It certainly is. Um, it's sort of, yeah. It goes, it goes really faint as well through the centre. Um, no, it's re- really nice. It's um, like I say, I was kind of brought to the name, um, but every, every like I say, every, every, I have, I just, I want you to get me talking about oh, I'm away. You see, <laughs> every, every single one I could have a twenty minute conversation for. That's the trouble. <laughs> I've got a question for you. I mean, uh, have you ever tried growing iris from seed? Beard. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. We have. Um, I'll be honest with you, we, we started doing it in the first, well, in the second year, I think we did some crosses during COVID. Um, if you remember, that spring was long and dry, uh, which was a blessing, of course, for all the people in lockdown. But I was here watering every day, and so I was kind of playing with the place a bit. We took some seeds and crossed a couple and set some seed pods, um, and we managed to get them to germinate. Um, but sadly, we, we kind of neglected them a little bit, and we didn't bring them on to an, any size. So... They need a bit of space to to trial them. And at the moment, yeah. whilst we're still sorting the beds out, I haven't really quite got that. Um, so I kind of I, I kind of let it go for the time. But it, it's interesting. You you think when you cross irises, you, you you know if you cross two colours, you get the same. But they throw all sorts of weird and wonderful different patterns and and shapes and colours. Um, so it's something I like to try. How many years from sowing a seed do you have to wait for a flower? Two or three. Yeah, two or three. Not too yeah. bad. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the breeder I spoke about earlier on, uh, Gary, um, he obviously is con- constantly breeding new varieties. And I, th- I think it's second or third year, really, is when he sees the first flower. Um, yeah. And if you get a very good season and, and you can chip the seed early in the autumn, um, I, I, I think he's had some varieties that will flower in the first year. Um, they're, they're very vigorous from seed. So, wow. yeah, but I, we will definitely give it a go in the future because it interests us, really, it's, um, especially the children. You know, yeah. something like a project for them to follow. Yeah, so, exactly. Lovely. I'm astonished. I would have thought that it would have been three, four, five. You know, I don't know. There's just something about the iris that makes me think it would be much, much slower. That's very, that's very exciting. 
No, I think Iris is, I'm not sure particularly why, but they have got have got a reputation for being slow growers. Um, and it's not even a reputation, but I think they're easy to look at and assume that it takes a while to build that, yeah. um, especially with their big broad leaves. But they, they bulk up really quickly. Um, there's, there, we find there's actually few varieties that don't. Rather, you know, you'd expect with over a thousand varieties that there'd be notably hundreds of them that just aren't very good. But actually, there's only a handful that catches our eyes being a bit poor. They're generally very good, yeah. um, which is which is nice. You know, it, it, at least they're rewarding then, and they're, they're, you know, they give you something back quite quickly. Uh, we, we've spoken at length about irises, which I know we wanted to do because of your massive association with with having so many varieties. But of course the reason you changed your name is because you are so enthusiastic about plants, unusual things, a much broader range. So you wanted to be a wider nursery, not just a, an iris specialist. Um, and I'm not sure if you brought any along for, for show and tell today, but it, obviously it's a huge part of what you do. And yes, look behind you, <laughs> hiding behind Chris, a bevy of beauties. <laughs> I, I, I was just grabbing stuff and I thought, well, I'll put that in there just in case. <laughs> So are you drawn to anything in particular? Do you have a complete range alongside the irises or, or do you have particular special specialities? Yeah, so um, it, a bit like the iris, it's where my eye catches, if you like. So uh, last year we started the season with like three salvias uh, that we propagate ourselves. And then myself and my wife kind of spotted a few. And now we've got about 35 different salvias <laughs> on, on our list now. And, and I did the same with asters and chrysanthemums, you know, hardy chrysanthemums the year before. So that's I'm kind of letting letting you know letting ourselves run wild a bit with the list i'm not looking for uh, shade loving plants because we're in full sun here so we're, we're absolutely south facing and there's no shade so my preference does tend to go towards full sun plants and, and i like architecture architectural plants so um one of the reasons i probably fell in love with artists is because they're simple names and they're very clean looking um, and i try and look for that in other plants so i, I like I don't, i'm not afraid of big plants or plants take a bit of work either um, so last year, um, a few different salvias made it onto the nursery. Um, I've had this one a few years, which I think everyone's quite uh, familiar with, probably, which is salvia aurora Kirstenbosch. Now, my mum actually put me onto this, and it's unlike any of the other salvias we grow. It's, it's, um, I saw it re- uh, sort of listed as being a dead-looking flower, and I can, I can kind of, I can kind of understand that. I think there's more beauty to it than that, but. <laughs> They're, they're an interesting plant and they're not shouty. Yeah, so that's, that's, a, that's sort of probably probably one of my favourites now. Whenever I see that flower Kirst, on Kirsten Bosch, I always think of brown suede shoes. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's got that about it, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> so a sort of, is it the calices that are brown? Yeah, every part of it. They're sort of, they're different shades of brown, really. <laughs> and you can see as the light goes through it, you know, if it was in, as the light goes away, um, so they darken up and they don't really get that much lighter in the sun you know so it's an interesting plant mm. um you know it, it, i think you have to sort of take visitors to it to show them i think it would be quite easily overlooked um but that's yeah, that's, that's an interesting plant really i sort of just i kind of grow it just because every year i have to talk people into buying it and i quite enjoy doing that <laughs> <laughs> uh, another, another uh, passion of ours is the fiums, the geranium fiums. Oh, um, I know there's so many grown. Um, this one again, in, right, right in the very first week, my mum used to grow this. Um, she was growing it for about a year before I took the nursery over, and so we very, very quickly added it to our list. And that's geranium fium Wendy's blush. As it goes over, it changes colour, hence the name. So that's that's another another interesting one. We grow this in full sun or part shade. 
and it does just as well in both both settings. And I mean, we put it on clay at home, and it does you know it does ever so well there too. Um, They're great so plants. What, one of they are one of the attributes I think for any plant has to be a good garden plant. Certainly, the point of selling it anyway. Um, I have plants that I sort of grow for my own my own love. Um, but I think when it comes to the point of saying, they, they, you've got to kind of, kind of know they're going to do well when they get to the other end. But, well, yeah, I mean, know, particularly got... as a businessman, you want people to get plants that do well because particularly if people are new into gardening and things die, it's so easy to get put off <laughs> forever or not go back. Yeah. So <laughs> No, absolutely. And, and, I, and I think as well, I mean, we're fortunate here because, it, you know, we are just a small nursery and we try and give every customer as much time and advice as we can. I think that's important from a customer's perspective is too. When they go to nursery, if they get just that five minutes of advice, it makes all the difference because it comes back to the wrong plant in the wrong place, doesn't it? You know, if I was to just let people walk out the door without any advice and someone plants their, their irises in uh, full shade, you know, and waters them every day, um, you know, that's, that's, that's not going to inspire them to want to grow irises anymore. Um, so I think it's important as a, from a business perspective too to, to push people and really like, you know, give them the opportunity to sort of learn the right way, if you like. Yeah. But I, I often say, I mean, people say to me, oh, you're, it's okay for you, you're a nurseryman. I say, no, I'm not a nurseryman. I, I'm, I'm a nursery owner. Um, I, I have very little experience. My first salary cuttings, you know, I ever took was two years ago on the nursery. <laughs> um, so everything's a learning curve. <laughs> Fortunately, you're a fast learner, Chris. <laughs> Well, <laughs> I have a lot of luck. I think some stuff likes being neglected. <laughs> <laughs> so which salvia are you brandishing now? Yeah, so this is a, a, a ever such a small flower one. It's salvia, for, I think you pronounce it ferrerii. Um, it's, I can spell it to you. It's F-O-R-R-E-R-I. And uh, I, I just find it interesting. It's, it seems to be hardy. Um, I think I'd plant it in a, in a sheltered spot being a salvia. But they're just the tiniest little flowers. They're only about a centimetre across. And you can probably see by the size of the plant, it's a, it's a creeping plant. And it's just, it's just a good doer. I mean, I bought this uh, as a, ever such a small plant. And it's just making and making plants, which, of course, is great for me as a nourishment. I haven't actually got any, any ready yet um, because I never, I never get around to, to finding the time. Um, but it just, you know, it's something that creeps along and, and just catches your eye. I thought it was quite, quite an interesting little one. And flowers so, of almost like a summer sky blue. Yeah, they're, they're kind of um, Veronica-y like flowers, if you like. They're, they're very upright. I can imagine this in, in a bed, you know, sort of cre creeping amongst other plants, and maybe not the front of the border, um, but amongst other plants in a nice hot spot. Mm. I can imagine it sort of just providing some ground cover, and then when it flowers, it kind of gives a, a bit of interest, really, about a foot tall. Yeah, so I can imagine that as well. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> well, that's 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 a new acquisition. Like well, most of my things, like I say, are new acquisitions one way or another. Um, so that's that's probably a less showy one. But actually, something I picked up, or I can blame my mother for this again. She spotted this and she said, Do you, "Shall I order some?" And I believe she ordered some Derry Watkins. I think uh... is where this, the cutting come from. Now this is salvia giant form, and at the moment, it's my favourite plant on the non-Irish side because. These massive, massive, great, large blue flowers are, they couldn't be any further from the other salvia we've just shown you. I mean, they're absolutely huge to give you, give you an idea of size. Yeah. Um, now, I'll be honest with you, I haven't fully grown a plant yet, so I can't tell you how tall it's going to get. Um, but already, it's just so eye-catching, and everybody that's coming on the nursery at the moment um, is seeing it from afar in my stock plant area and asking when they can have some. <laughs> Um, so I think, yeah, I think it'll be a, a popular one. Um, will, we have one plant outside. It, 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 I know it will, Chris, because I 
talking to people, customers, visitors to the garden here last year. That was the one plant everybody wanted to grow. And I have to it? say, I, yeah, I've got seedlings. We, we potted them yesterday. So hopefully yeah. by the end of the summer, it will be in flower. But I mean, it is, uh, a, it's a, a, a salvia patens, isn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, we brought, we brought it as just a salvia patens giant form. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. what it and it's as you say, Derry Watson sells the seed. Um, but it was the one plant everybody was talking about last year. All lovers of salvias wanted this salvia patens giant form, and I can give well you can see why, can't you? Yeah, it's just a, it's, a, it's just a, it's just giant, isn't it? It is, it's, yeah. it is what its namesake is. Um, and I find the the foliage quite interesting too because it's got dark sort of splodgy I don't think I'm going to be able to do it justice on the on the camera um but it's got dark splodges through the center of the leaves as well so it's got quite an interesting foliage too I can imagine you know keeping it trimmed to make a bushier plant it, it probably makes quite a good plant with for the foliage itself mm. um but you'd know because you're already growing it you see <laughs> <laughs> very jealous how tall do you find it in the beds does, does I don't it grow, I've only grown it from seed it's still they're still babies Oh, okay. So we, we've we've just posted up um, about ten or fifteen cuttings, yep. uh, you know, spring spring taking cuttings. Yeah. Um. So I, I shall let these go now and, and see what what they make this year. I've got a lot 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 larger stock plant outside, and um, that's a, a better looking plant rather than one that's been pillaged for cuttings. Yeah. Um. And it'll be interesting to see how tall it gets, but it's certainly worth the power so far. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, we we obviously add photos to the video version of the podcast because we want to try and show the plants to their best. Um, but you can really tell with that one, it, it kind of sells itself even on a Zoom video, which says everything you need to know. Absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, big well, and beautiful. I am. Um, the cuttings themselves actually went straight to flowers. So they were at that point. And um, no sooner had they rooted in a, in a small nine centimetre pot last year. And I had this sort of stonking great four, six inch flower on top. And uh, I, I, I fell in love with it at that point last year. So they've been nurtured over winter a bit. You know, I really wanted to sort of see what I could make of them. Um, but I, I can see this being something I keep on the list, you know, avidly look after. So <laughs> It's the favourite yeah. child. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think it is at the moment. Yeah. No, definitely. No, it's, um, I think you fall in love with plants. And I, I you know... Um, I'm not sure how the nurserymen are because most nurserymen have been doing it for donkey's years compared with myself. Um, but I, I, at the moment, we find because every plant's new to us, um, I still get that kind of that excitement. Not not only when you buy the plant, and you make it into something, but taking the cuttings off and getting them rooted and then making more plants. Every every step of the way at the moment is still exciting, um, and you can't beat that. It's it's I don't know that, that that's what keeps you going in the winter months, especially when you start propagating again in the spring. Um, that kind of uh, sense of anticipation just just carries yeah. you all the way through 12 months a year yeah <laughs> it does you it's, you've like you've encapsulated it there I think whether you're a nurseryman or a nursery or a grower a nursery owner or just a keen gardener that is exactly it that is why loving plants and loving gardening is so marvelous and joyful <laughs> well we I think the the the, most, the best bit of advice I personally you know, my humble opinion best bit of advice I ever give to anyone when they ask me advice is to try it because um, I used to work with an elderly gentleman at a, a small nursery when I was 16. And I think that's where I got the bug, really, for all the, all the, the mechanics of the nursery. I kind of fell in love with, if you like. Um, and he always used to say that the, the easiest thing is to do nothing. You know, you, you, only, you, you make failures by trying. Um, and so if you, if you have something that, you know, and you want to take a cutting or multiply it, just give it a go. Because what's the worst that can happen? And if you've got two of it, just do one, you know. And 
nine times out of ten they, they work and then you surprise yourself and actually you do something else and you find next thing you've got two tunnels worth of stuff and you don't know where to go <laughs> I mean this podcast Chris you have given me certainly so much FOMO I came into it knowing that my knowledge of bearded irises in particular is, is extremely limited and it's probably dangerous really for me to want too many because I haven't really got anywhere to put them but uh but you've 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 actually increased if you haven't heard of FOMO, by the way, it's just our word for that wonderful feeling you get, that absolute must-have feeling when you see a plant that you want to grow. I visited Westacre Nursery for the first time in years the other day, and it was such a wonderful afternoon. Their cafe, by the way. I mean, a nursery doesn't need a cafe, but I stopped halfway through. I was looking at all the plants, and I thought, I'm going to stop and have a coffee with my mum halfway through and sort of topped up on caffeine and then hit for a second, a second go. And the the planting in the walled garden away from the nursery beds as well was really inspiring. They had an iris called Dusky Challenger, a really rich, ruffled, purpley uh, blue, which was very dark and very uh, eye catching. So that went onto the list. It was actually roses. I had a rose revelation. Uh, Look at Alan. (laughs) Well, the first excitement was Alan and I have been waxing lyrically about pardon the neighbors hand of the baskerville's dog if you can hear it um we've been waxing lyrical about this rose jacqueline dupre that we saw at the chelsea flower show which was wonderful and alan if you're going to westacre i hope they have more than one because if i've snaffled the last one i might have to give it to you <laughs> out of guilt <laughs> but i couldn't believe it. i was just walking up and down the roses and saw thought that one's beautiful check the label and sure enough it was that lovely sort of semi-double pale blushing rose um that we'd been running on about after chelsea it wasn't, just, it wasn't just the pale pale rose was it it was the the eye of the rose that boss those stamens oh. boss of red stamens and when the petals drop that boss of stamens is still there so beautiful so i i bought that one but while i was walking around i've never been one for movie roses you know movie purpley they just they've mm-hmm. never done it for me before but they had this wonderful wall of Mannington mauve rambler. So obviously I can't have it because I can't put a rambler in my tiny garden. It would be a disaster. But these lovely, small, semi-double mauve flowers and not too much white in there. I think sometimes when you get the mauve ones with a lot of white, it really doesn't do it for me. But they were just so beautiful and ruffled and eye-catching. And then there was another which maybe wouldn't be too big for me, though it was quite a big planting they had, of uh, William III, which when I was Googling afterwards, quite varying different pictures came up, but seeing it as a big plant at, uh, at Westacre, it was a sort of pinker, more cerise but still on that mauve spectrum of roses. And I've just never seen mauve roses and wanted them before, but both of those really spoke to me when I was at Westacre and I took copious photos, which I obviously will add to the podcast and have written them down on my list. So um, yeah, it was it's quite the revelation. <laughs> <laughs> and I heartily recommend if you are remotely in that neck of the woods, I mean, they're quite a long way from you, but why not just head up, just keep <laughs> Westacre and then carry on up to Lincolnshire and come and see you guys. Or you can come down to Lincolnshire. If you're coming down from Lincolnshire, you could call on the way and then come here. Exactly. Road trip. That's it. A plant-themed <laughs> well, road trip. <laughs> it's funny you should mention Westacre because that's that's one of the nurseries we used to we used to go to almost every weekend. Um, you know, back then we had a, one child in the pushchair and, and Kate was probably pregnant. Uh, with, with our youngest and we used to go around almost every weekend and, and go and see them 
And uh, the gardens there are absolutely marvellous. I mean, you know, there's, there's all sorts. It's, it's like a little slice of heaven in there, isn't it? So <laughs> many interesting plants. Yeah, it's lovely. <laughs> <laughs> and they had Podophyllum Spotty Dotty. So I finally have Spotty Dotty in my life. <laughs> is, that, is that a previous FOMO? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I've been wanting one for a while and I didn't see it. I, I didn't see it in the shade section and I had to go and ask. And there she was lurking amidst the other plants. And uh, I nearly missed her and I got the last one. So very happy about that. Um, Chris, where are you at with your FOMO? It was a difficult one for me. <laughs> but I'll, I'll be honest with you, there's a plant I've been looking for now for uh, since about midsummer last year. And, uh, and Alan will, will know it because I actually spotted it on one of the Get Gardening videos originally. <laughs> and it's Salvia Concola. And ah. now I was going back to your video. It's probably midsummer last year sometime. And then I've seen it su subsequently since in other people's photographs. And I'm just desperate for a plant now. <laughs> um, so it's, uh, by the looks of it, it's a, it's a lovely tool. I'm never afraid, like I said, of tall plants. I, I'd, I'd like to try it one time. Um, and lovely, lovely tall Salvia. Um, so it looks like it's got dark blues with uh, both purple flowers, by the looks of it. Alan will know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but I sent my wife on an errand the other other week to try and hunt some down. And I know I know uh, when I saw Tim Fuller recently, I mentioned to him because I, I know he grows it. Um, so I'm hoping that, you know, something's going to come to fruition uh, at some <laughs> point. <laughs> I do hope you managed to get it. That is one you have at East Ruston, isn't it, Alan? It is. And I'll tell you what, it's one of the few salvias that, um, has remained untouched in the garden here for, I should think, 12 to 15 years, and it's still there. Has uh, it? Yeah. Brilliant. It's, it's come through a whole range of, of temperatures and conditions and winters and all the rest of it. So, I mean, I think it's an ideal plant to actually, I can't think of anything better that you could have wished for. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you know, it's the same thing. I know I know, I know. I didn't directly see the plant, but I, I, I think you might may have done a... a an exotic plants uh, video or something. I remember remember watching it last year. Yeah, and then did. I remember looking for it. Mm. Um, and like I said, I couldn't find it anywhere, but I know that, that, that Tim Fuller at Plants and Preference grows it. Yeah. Um, and I've, I've, I've nagged him twice this this year, this spring and said, oh, are they ready yet? You know, have you got some cuttings yet? <laughs> well, the interesting thing is, Chris, you, you mentioned Tim Fuller because it was Tim who was in the garden one day that helped me name it because I couldn't find a name for it. And he said, I think it's Concolor, uh, Concolor, or however you say it. Um, yeah. And yeah, it, we have decided that is what it is. So, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope you managed to get it. Sounds like it's one that's well worth adding to your ever burgeoning salvia collection. <laughs> that, that's how my list grows. You see, I'm a tangent. I see something and I sort of, you know, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> right then, Mr. Gray, what's your flow this week? Well, funnily enough, it's going to be a couple of bearded irises. <laughs> <laughs> because um, listening to the man himself, the expert, wax lyrical about it, <laughs> I would like to have some plants of Dawn of Fall, um, which is a remontant yellowy apricot um, iris. I would love to have that. And I can't help thinking every time you brandish Thornburg, did you say it was? That's right. Yes. Thornburg. Yes. Every time here. Every time yeah. that comes out of the pot, I'm just thinking, I love it. Now, why do yeah, I love nice, that? It? It, it's just so subtle. So, oh, it might, reminds me of, <laughs> I don't know what it reminds me of, old ladies, I suppose. Old ladies <laughs> and fancy hats. <laughs> but I do like it. I mean, oh, I, 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 I'm not, not sure that I'd say it was a description. <laughs> well, I think, all right, then, um, let's, let's give it a description, shall we say? Um, I would say creamy parchment. That's what it reminds me of. 
Um, old parchment paper and lampshades. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> no, it is. It's marvellous. And I, um, I'm famed for loving sunset shades. And that's almost like the sort of the palest edges of the sunset. Um, so it's uh, definitely ticking boxes for me. I've also been coveting that one. So you can add that to my Flomo list as well. <laughs> Double whammy Flomo. Flomo all round, Chris. <laughs> it has been wonderful. Uh, I, I feel like I probably repeat myself at the end of these podcasts because I'm just so full up of planty joy by the time we've been talking about plants for over an hour. And it is such a treat. Thank you for gathering all these lovely blooms and sharing all your expertise and your sheer enthusiasm with us. It's it's just such a treat. <laughs> no, that's no problem at all. Like I say, <laughs> I think also it's lovely when you get um, a nurseryman, a grower like Chris. You didn't want to be called a nurseryman. I know he told us that, but um, I no, think it'll be a privilege if you do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that that term has an enormous amount of respect because. That is the person that actually has had his fingers in the soil. He's pulled the plants to bits. He's chopped them. He's propagated them. He's made more so that we can all enjoy them. And his knowledge is increasing the whole time because he is actually growing these plants. And I do find that very, very important. It's like when people come here. I mean, we don't propagate all our plants, but lots of the material that that is propagated goes to somebody who propagates them for us. But so they are important that you know we have the plants that we propagate in the garden of course like you chris we have it continually having and trying new things like that salvador payton's giant form and i wish mine was as big as yours <laughs> <laughs> it's worth saying obviously you mentioned mail order chris so if people head to your website they, they can you know have a good look at what you offer that's it yes yeah and also of course we use our social media to try and uh, enthuse people into into sort of getting getting hooked on them if you like so. <laughs> well, I think you've managed to hook a lot of people today. Please come back another time. It has been wonderful. And also, I like looking at that uh, smart wallpaper in your potting shed. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time. Happy gardening, everybody. Yeah. Happy Thank gardening, you. everybody. <laughs> Take care. Hey, Fordis here. Just to say thank you so much for listening to Talking Dirty. You are now officially our favourite person. If you really liked it, please do subscribe because we'll be back for more plant-loving mayhem next week. And as you're our new favourite person, we don't want you to miss out. If you've got a question for Alan and the experts, you can email it to hello at getgardeningnow.co.uk. So happy gardening and we'll see you, oh favourite person, next time. Hey.